this new life that we've been given in Christ, it's not for us. This life is not to be lived for our own pleasure. It's to be lived for the glory of God. And if we can get hold of what I have to share with you today, it's going to change your entire perspective on your life and why God has redeemed you from the pit, why He has saved you with His blood, why He sent Jesus to the cross, why He's given you the Holy Spirit, why He takes you through uh, the life experiences that you've had. If we can get hold of this message today, get hold of its power and its application, it's going to change the entire way you look at your life. Uh, it's, going to, it's going to change the way you look at your job. It's going, to look, it's going to change the way you look at your everyday activities. Um, you do realize you exist for something greater than your own good. You exist for the glory of God. I mean, you, you were created for a higher purpose than to go out and earn a paycheck and eventually show, end up in retirement. If you think that's what you were created for and that's what God saved you for, you're nuts. You have missed the point altogether. You are created for a much greater purpose than that, and the Bible makes it so clear. Listen, our God is a sending God. Sending, S-E-N-D-I-N-G. Our God is a sending God. It's His very nature. The God of the Bible, this God that we love, the God that we worship, this God that we serve is a God who sends. He sends. The Bible tells us that God the Father sent God the Son to save His people from their sins. Aren't you glad he did? If God the Father had not sent God the Son to die on that cross, you and I would still be lost in our sins. If God the Father had not sent God the Son to die on that cross and be raised again on the third day, we'd still be lost, man. That We would have no legal standing before the Lord. We would still be lost in our sins. But God the Father sent God the Son. And I say amen every time I think about that. But the sending doesn't end there. This is what we need to see. The sending doesn't end there. The Bible says that God the Father and God the Son then sent God the Holy Spirit to live in God's people. We're going to celebrate Pentecost Sunday next week. That celebrates the, uh, the, uh, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, as you read about it in Acts chapter 2. Tongues of fire appearing above the the, uh, the 120 uh, uh, people who had gathered in the upper room. Tongues of fire appeared above their head, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. This is considered the birthing of the New Testament church, when the Holy Spirit came into that room and consumed uh, those, the lives of those people. He gave them a new heart, a new spirit. Everything about them became new at that point. God the Father and God the Son sent God the Holy Spirit to live in God's people, but that's not the end of the sending. The sending doesn't end there. The Holy Spirit has been sent to guide us, to teach us, to strengthen us, to empower us, and to confirm in us that we do indeed belong to God, but the Holy Spirit also with the Son, sends us, God's people, into a world as His representatives, as His ambassadors. You and I are a sent people. God is sending us. And that's what the whole book of Acts is all about. It tells the story of, of, of the sending out of the disciples to the nations, and they turn the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Unfortunately, sometimes we get a little stale in that, and we think for some reason the only reason God saved us was to give us our best life now. 
It's not about us at all. It's about God sending his people to a lost and dying world to turn the world right side up again. If we could ever get hold of that, we'd, we'd live our lives a whole lot different. The God of the Bible is by nature ascending God. The Father sends the Son, the Father and Son send the Spirit, so none of us should be surprised to learn today that God sends us, His people, on a mission too. We call it the Great Commission. The Great Commission. The Great Commission is given to us in all sorts of ways throughout the Bible, but let me just point out three ways it's, it's shared with us. In the New Testament, Jesus says to his disciples in John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, I also, what? Send you. As a matter of fact, I got those up on the, read those together with me, if you will. John 20, 21 says, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. In Matthew 28, 19, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. In Mark 16, 16, he says, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Now, theologians call this the Missio Dei. The Missio Dei, it's the mission of God. The mission of God. As God's people, as God's church, we have been called, we have been empowered, and we are sent by God to work with him in his great mission to reconcile the world back to himself, to turn the world right side up again for the glory of God. God sends us out as his people to be his ambassadors. He sends us out to be his representatives. He sends us out and, and wants us to implore people to be made right with God through faith in Christ Jesus. You don't exist just for your own sake. You exist for the glory of God, and this is the glory of God, that we partner with Him in His mission to reconcile the world back to Himself, to influence the world around us for the glory of God, to expand the influence of the kingdom. We are people living with a mission. We are. You ought to have a reason to get up in the morning, and it's not to go to work and earn a paycheck. Your reason for getting up in the morning is because you get to represent Jesus at your workplace. You get to serve the Lord in your everyday living, wherever it takes you. We are people on a mission, and our mission is to represent Jesus. Our mission is to preach His gospel. Our mission is to share God's love and share God's truth with a lost and dying world. That ought to be your motivation for getting up in the morning. If you, let me let, put it straight to you. you. You can tell I'm passionate about this, and so I could go drifting off into various, don't let me boil it down. If you call yourself a Christian, and you're not living your life on that mission, it's either because you don't fully understand your identity as a Christ follower, or you're not really a Christian at all. I'm being straight with you. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Which are you? Which are you? Every Christian is either a missionary on a mission or an imposter. You're playing at it. Just playing a role. If you're a Christian, excuse me, my mouth is so dry. If you're a Christian, 
God is sending you out every day as a mission, as a missionary. He has given you a mission and he is sending you out as his representative. Now, God may not send you to Hong Kong. He may not send you to Hong Kong to share his love with a woman caught up in, in the sex trade. But he may send you across the room to share his truth with an unsaved coworker. It's amazing. This is one of my pet peeves with the American church. Let me get on a little soapbox for a minute. We're willing to raise money so that we can go on a short-term missions trip to build a church in Honduras, but we won't cross the street to talk to a neighbor in need. We've missed the point. God may not send you to a church platform to preach His truth to an audience of people. But he may send you to Taco Bell this afternoon to share his love with the lady running the cash register. Everywhere you go, every person you meet presents to you an opportunity to represent the Lord. You're on a mission. We're on a mission from God. We're on a mission from God. If that's all you remember from this message, I'm happy with it. We're on a mission from God. Don't go watch the movie. It's not worth it. <laughs> John and Pat, I am still totally amazed. <laughs> we may have more in common than I thought. <laughs> Listen, in Colossians chapter 4, and we're finishing up our Colossians series today, The Incomparable Christ, with this message. It's been a great series, and I have enjoyed it. I have learned so much. I've grown so much myself. But Paul gives some final instructions here in, in Colossians chapter 4, verses th uh, 2 through 6, that help us understand how we can live our life on mission. You know, it's easy to get distracted in this life. It's easy to start chasing the wrong things. It's easy to be motivated to get up in the morning for all the wrong reasons. Oh yeah, I know. Been there. I, you know, so, so Paul is saying here is how you can live your life on its mission, on its real mission to represent the Lord Jesus Christ, to stay focused and in tune with what God has in store for you. And since God is sending us out as his representatives to call people back to God, this is the truth that we need to know and put into practice in our everyday life. And I'm going to encourage you. See, I don't know where you're at. I don't know exactly all that God has in front of you when you get up in the morning. I want you to see it differently tomorrow when you get up. I want you to see that you're not just going to a workplace to earn a paycheck, but that you're going there to represent Christ. I want you to understand that when God wakes you up in the morning and gives you breath to breathe, it's not so that you can waste it on yourself, it's so that you can live it for His glory and make a difference in the world. I want you to see that, but and, and to help you see that, and help you understand that, here are some instructions that will help you get into that pattern of life, that will help ch change the paradigm of your life and the trajectory of your life even your everyday activities. Let's read Colossians chapter 4, 2 through 6 together. It says this. Again, these are final instructions that he's giving to this young church in Colossae. I mean, they are surrounded by a, a, a world, a culture that despises them, that thinks so little of them. But he's saying, don't worry about that stuff. Here's what you need to do to stay on task, to stay on your mission. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message 
so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Let's pray. Father, give us insight into this word. I pray, Father, as I give this word to your people as you have given it to me, that you would help them translate it and make it applicable to their life, to their situation. That you would, Father, use this as a means of turning their thinking around, helping them to see that this life is not about us as individual human beings. It's about you as our glorious Lord and Savior. Help us to see ourselves as you see us, Lord, as your representatives to a lost and dying world. And help us to approach life from that perspective that we're living for your glory, not our own. Living for your renown, not our own. Living to represent you and who you are and not for ourselves. I thank you for this word. I thank you for its clarity. I thank you for its instruction, its practicality. Just pray. I pray, God, that each of us would be able to put it into practice. And why wait for tomorrow morning? God, help us to put it into practice the moment we leave this room and step out these doors. Help us immediately become who we're called to be in Christ Jesus. Ambassadors. The ambassadors of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quickly, <clears throat> I'm going to run through this because I'm already losing my voice here. But I want you to go home, if you will, take it, meditate on it, and figure out how you can apply it better to your life. If you need to call somebody and get into a conversation about it, please do. If you want to get in touch with me on Facebook, I'll go back and forth with you to help clarify some things. But here's how you live your life on mission as Christ's representative. Here's how you can live your life every day on mission as God's child and as His representative. First, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. Now, we know that prayer is simply communicating with God. It's prayer that keeps us in contact with the one who sends us out on our mission. But how many of us are guilty of starting the day without ever stopping to establish contact with the one who's sending us out? Oh, I hope that kicked you in the pants. That's where it starts. It starts with prayer. It starts with being in contact with the one that you're called to represent. Prayer gives us access to all the resources of heaven, all the resources we need to carry out the mission that we're given. It's prayer that opens up the windows of heaven and all the blessings come pouring out that help us, that give us what we need, the wisdom, the strength, the, the, the courage, the willingness sometimes, just the willingness, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> to do what we're supposed to do as the representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to devote ourselves to prayer. That's where it starts, just getting in a, 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 a real communication pattern with our commander-in-chief. Andrew Murray said this. He said, we must begin to believe that God, in the mystery of prayer, has entrusted us with a force that can move the heavenly world and can bring its power down to earth. Do you believe that? It's prayer that moves the hand of God. It's prayer 
that changes the course of history. Do you believe that? He also said this, Andrew Murray did, he said, the man who mobilizes the Christian church to pray will make the greatest contribution to world evangelization in history. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then what's he going to do? I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and heal their land. Did you pray that way this morning? Did you begin today with prayer? Will you begin tomorrow with prayer? I'm telling you, that's where it starts. Devote yourself to prayer. Devote. You want to change your boss's heart? Are you praying for him? Or are you whining about him? Whew, guilty. That struck me right there. And I'm not talking about Lorna, my boss. I'm talking... Never mind. If we're going to live on mission... If we're going to live on mission, we've got to devote ourselves to prayer. It's not an option for us. This is not an option. Prayer is a requirement. It's a necessary duty. It's an indispensable commitment. Never talk to someone about Jesus until you prayed for him first. Oh, how guilty are we about that, though? Let me tell you about Jesus. I've not prayed for you yet, but let me tell you about Jesus. So we're going in with our own strength and our own wisdom trying to change this person's heart and mind. Are you crazy? What if you don't have, oh, there's always time to pray. There's always time to pray. Take a breath. Take a breath. Sometimes we launch into conversations without stopping for just a moment to think about the conversation we're launching into. And it gets us in trouble more often than not. And then we walk away feeling so disappointed in ourselves because we didn't say what we needed to say. But just you ever thought about just a second after you walk away, you think, oh, I wish I'd said that. Well, if you'd just taken a step back, breathed a little bit, said, God, help me here, maybe you would have had time to, he could have had time to slip that in your, anyway. Thank you for the question. Great question. How do we pray? The scripture even gives us a pattern for how we should pray. He says in verse 2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. We pray with devotion. That means we pray persistently. We pray faithfully. We pray steadfastly. We pray without forgetting to pray. Sometimes that's just an achievement in and of itself. To pray without forgetting to pray. Like you keep your phone charged up, don't you? You keep your phone charged How many of you hate it when your phone goes dead? And just when you need it, it don't work. I bet we're more diligent about keeping our phones charged up than we are about keeping our prayer life alive. Just saying. Devote yourself to prayer. Just like you keep your phone charged up, keep your prayer life stoked and charged up. Pray watchfully. Pray watchfully. That means to keep yourself alert to the prayer needs around you. That means be ready to pray anywhere, anytime, for anyone, about anything. Keep your eyes open and be ready to pray. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn out. I believe that the prayers God answers the best are those real short, help me prayers. He never fails. He never lets us down. He's there. It's just we won't spend enough, the, the little bit of breath it takes to say it. Pray thankfully. Pray knowing that the need has already been met. The wisdom has already been given. The words have already been put. That's what Jesus said when you come before people and they're, they're questioning you and they're accusing you. 
You don't worry about what you're going to say. You just trust me and I'll put the words in your mouth for you. We need to learn to trust the Lord. Pray knowing that the need has already been met, that the answer has already been sent, that it's on its way, that the victory is already yours. Pray thankfully, knowing that God has already provided what you need for that moment in that conversation to represent Him well. What do we pray for? What do we pray for? Paul says in verse 3, And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Where is Paul when he writes this letter? Keep that in mind. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. So what do we pray for? First of all, we pray for those who have been sent on special assignments. Pray for those who have been sent on special assignments. Every one of us as God's children is indeed on a mission. Right? You're on a mission, every one of us. If you're a child of God, God's sending you out as his representative. But there are some who have been given special assignments that often that often require greater levels of sacrifice. Follow me here. There are some of us who are given special assignments by God that often require greater levels of sacrifice. Paul mentions that he's on an assignment for the Lord. What happened? It landed him in trouble. He's in prison. But I want you to notice what he asks for. He doesn't ask for them to pray that he be released from prison. He asks that they would pray for him that he would be able to preach the gospel even while he still remains in prison. You get that? Just because the assignment didn't turn out the way he expected it to, and he finds himself locked up, what he's telling him is, don't pray that I be released from prison. Instead, pray that I will remain faithful to my assignment. In spite of my setback, in spite of my disappointment, I want to remain faithful to the Lord that I represent. Because I recognize that I am in prison for some reason only he may know about. You realize God's in control of every situation of your life, right? That nothing happens to you that's not been filtered through the hands of God. So even when you experience a setback, you do realize, of course, that God has a plan and purpose in it. It's not always the devil. The devil. I get really tired of the devil being blamed for so much. He's not that creative, and he's not nearly that powerful. Sometimes we're in trouble because of our own stupidity. Sometimes, often, we're, in, we're not, it, we see it as trouble because it's from our perspective, but from God's perspective, he, it is a tool in his hands he is using to open up the doors for his good, for his glory and our good. Let me stop. I, I've, I've got this guy in my mind. Paul I is a friend I met. He was the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God in Vietnam when the Americans left Saigon. Uh, Pat, you may remember this. All these other kids are too young. They don't know, they don't know what I'm talking about. But at the end of the, of the war in Vietnam, America pulled all of its soldiers out. And as they did, the North Vietnamese just uh, swamped Saigon. And Paul I, who was a Christian pastor, was taken into custody and thrown into prison 
um, from his perspective, it appeared to be a setback. His life was literally threatened every day. Constant beatings. He had no idea if he would ever live through any given day. For him, from his perspective, it was a setback. But he continued to remain faithful to his mission, to his assignment, to preach the gospel and to pastor those who came to know Christ, to disciple them. So after a year of being in prison, literally every day risking his life, the Vietnamese government called him in and said, look, we can't allow you to stay in our prisons anymore because you are winning so many people to Jesus Christ and we've got to stop it somehow, so we are sending you away. And they literally put him on a boat and sent him to America to get rid of him, to get him out of the country. But it's because he stayed faithful to his assignment to preach the gospel, to be that pastor, to be that disciple he was supposed to be, in spite of the apparent setback and the disappointment. that it, Does that make sense? We lose sight sometimes of the fact that God is in control of every situation. And even our setbacks and even our disappointments, He is going to use for our good and His glory. We have to be faithful to the assignment in spite of the setbacks or the disappointments or the discouragements that come our way. We can't quit because we have been called and we have been strategically placed by God for such a time as this to be His representative right here, right now. Now, most of the time we want to cut and run, don't we? We can't afford to cut and run because we're standing on the firm foundation of His calling on our life. I could go on forever on that. Let me stop. Devote yourself to prayer. What do we pray for? We pray for those in special ministry assignments. God asks us to pray for those who have been sent on special assignments. People like missionaries and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And, and there are church leaders out there who are under tremendous pressure as they strive to accomplish their assigned task. Let me just give you an illustration from my own life. There are three people I pray for nearly every day as my day gets started. I'm praying for them as soon as I read my uh, my reading on, on the app that we've encouraged you guys to get. I have a cup of coffee and I start praying. And there are three people almost invariably I pray for every day. And let me tell you who those three people are. They've been sent on special assignment. I pray for my friend Nana Dar who pastors a church in Pune, India. I grew up with Nana. He's a great brother. Do you guys remember Nana coming and speaking to us? He's a great brother. I love him. He pastors a church, a thriving church of about 2,000 people, and he is under constant pressure from inside the church and outside. They want to shut him up, but he remains faithful to his assignment, and I know the pressure he's under, so I find myself praying for him every day. Another friend of mine named Mario Ducic from Zagreb, Croatia. You guys know Mario? We brought him in. He's, I thought he was coming in this year, but apparently not. Mario planted a church very similar to ours in Zagreb, Croatia. Uh, in a country that had been ruled by the communists for decades. Um, it has a strong uh, uh, Catholic presence there, and Mario finds himself fighting against the same uh, strongholds of, of uh, bureaucracy and, and atheism and agnosticism and religion. And, 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 and I, I've talked with him enough. I know his heart. I know his passion. It's a church very similar to ours. So I find myself praying for Mario nearly every day. God, give him the strength and the courage to stand up against that opposition and to represent you well there in the heart of Zagreb, Croatia. I also find myself 
praying almost every day without fail for Cindy Hildebrand, who I know is under tremendous pressure. Ladies. <laughs> I find myself praying for those three every day because they are on special assignment and they are facing incredible odds and pressures. And I, I believe that my prayer is an investment in their well-being, in their emotional and spiritual well-being, sometimes in their physical well-being. And now I've got a fourth person to pray for every day. Sydney. Every day. God help me. Every day. You'll be on that list now as you spend time in Hong Kong. Because I know there's going to be a lot of pressure on you, security issues and stuff like that. Man, but God's got you. I'm going to pray for your well-being. I'm going to pray for your emotional well-being, your spiritual well-being, your physical well-being. I'm going to pray that God helps you to fulfill that special assignment to represent Him well there in Hong Kong. I'm believing for a great harvest, aren't you? I'm believing there are going to be ladies pulled out of that lifestyle and set free by the glory of God. Set free to their real purpose, not to sell their bodies, but to live their lives for the glory and honor of God. Hey, pray for those people on special assignment. I hope some of you are praying for me. You tell me you are. I hope that's not just blowing smoke up my skirt. I hope you mean it. I need you to pray for me. Pray for Brian. Pray for Chris. Find somebody to pray for that's on a special assignment. They need it. We need it. Second, pray for doors to open to the gospel. Pray for doors to open to the gospel. I want you to notice that Paul is more concerned about getting out the message of Christ to the lost than he is about getting himself out of prison. That, that, to me, that's amazing, man. He'd care less about being in prison. He wanted to be faithful to the assignment. I hope I have that kind of courage and that kind of commitment to my assignment. I hope you do too. He wants them to pray that he would be given opportunities to preach the gospel even in his chains. I mean, we should pray for political barriers to be removed. We should pray that religious opposition sh should be hushed. We should pray that spiritual forces are defeated. We should pray that fear... Cindy, have you ever felt, felt afraid? <laughs> Most days. That fear is overcome. You would not believe the spiritual battles that take place here between the ears in the hearts and in, in the lives of these leaders. In your own as well, right? We should pray that servant leaders will be raised up. We should pray that resources will be provided so that the gospel may be preached to every creature on earth. Listen, I, I'm, I'm still amazed at our assumption that everybody's heard the gospel. We had a young man come into Kingwood Christian School uh, this year. And uh, we've been going through doctrines this second semester, talking about some of the essential Christian doctrines, who God is, what the Bible is, uh, you know, why did Christ die, how do you become a Christian, that kind of thing. This young man walked up to me not long after we started. Uh, we were about in the fourth or fifth weeks of these doctrines. And he said, you know, I've never heard any of this. I, I, I don't... I've heard that Jesus died, but I don't know what it was for. He said, for the first time, I realize, I understand now why Jesus died on the cross. He said, I, I didn't understand it before. 
this is a, this is a young man in high school in the buckle of the Bible belt. Churches everywhere. He'd never heard the gospel. So they're around you. You do realize, of course, that we're in the most unevangelized county in Alabama. You do realize, of course, although we have churches on every corner, that less than 20% of Shelby County actually attends a church on a regular basis. And by a regular basis, I mean one time a month. You do realize it, of course. Most of the people you encounter in your everyday life have no comprehension of the gospel. They may have heard the name Jesus, but they really don't know who he is. They may have heard that there is a Bible that's called the Word of God, but they really don't believe it. Really don't understand uh, why, why we have it. Don't fool yourself. God's sending you on a mission to a lost people. You're on a mission. Mission for God. Mission for God. Pray for doors to open to the gospel. Third, what do we pray for? We pray for the mystery of Christ to be made plain. We pray for the mystery of Christ to be made plain. Now, I, we could really take off on this, and I, want to, I don't want to do that uh, because of time constraints, but the, the gospel of Christ is called a mystery because no man would ever have ever conceived of it. The mind of man could not have come up with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's too far beyond us. No man, no person could have dreamed this up. This message of grace. This message of love. This message of forgiveness. No man could have dreamed this up. No man could have imagined. I mean, I mean, the grace of God shown to us in Christ's sacrifice, it's just too great for us to understand. I don't have to earn heaven. Heaven is simply a gift given to me. Because we're trained in this world to work for everything we got, right? And so we think somehow we have to earn God's favor, that we have to do, we have to live up to a certain standard in order to achieve heaven. That's not what the Bible says at all, it does. It, it tells us that we are depraved, that there is no way we could ever earn our way to heaven, that all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, that each of us deserves to die because of our trespasses and sins, and yet God looked at us and he loved us and he wanted to restore us and bring us back to himself, so he sent his son to become a man like us, and the son of God lived among us and he shared our suffering and he shared our temptations, yet he lived without sin. He died in our place on that cross. This doesn't even make sense. God would die? Somebody like me? But that's how much God loves us. It blows our mind. I don't know if you've ever stopped to think about that, but the God of the universe was willing to lay down his life for you. Yeah, for you. All your stinking rottenness, your sin. How? Why? It's nothing about us that's attractive in the very least. Most of us at this point, and this is what I love about people who come in uh, who have struggled so so much. They've not been uh, caught up in all the religion and the do-good stuff. They, they've been on the other end of the spectrum. They've been caught up in all the bad, the, the do-bad stuff. You realize how bad you really are. You realize how rotten you really can be. 
I realize that there is nothing I am incapable of. I am capable of doing so much crap. And yet God loves me in spite of that. Loves me to the point where He was willing to send His Son to die in my place on the cross. That should have been me hanging there. It should have been me with that crown of thorns on my head. It should have been me with my hands and feet nailed to that cross. It was me that put Him there. But He suffered and He died for me and for you who didn't deserve it. It's not, it's not something we've earned. The wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's a mystery to me. I don't think I'll ever be able to fully comprehend why God would do that for me. But he did. And then he rose from the dead on the third day and he ascended into heaven where he reigns as Lord. He is my king. He is my Lord. He is in control of my life. He is in control of all the situations surrounding me. I can trust him. Sean, you put it so beautifully. We can trust him. He's the creator of the universe and he loves me like that. You bet I can trust him. I'll let him make every decision. I just want to live in it. I just want to live in surrender. I just want to live in surrender, man. Jesus, you tell me when to jump and how high. I'm, I'm with you. And all it is, it's just faith on our part. And even that's a gift from God. Faith to trust Him. Faith to take Him at His word. Faith to live this life as He wants us to live it. Faith to, to, to accept this gift of eternal... Listen, man, that's a mystery to me. And when you start talking to people about it and start trying to tell them God loves you just like you are, you can kind of see it in their eyes. Who, me? Me? So what you want to do is you want to pray that God will somehow reveal this mystery to them, that the Holy Spirit will speak to their hearts and clear out the cobwebs and let that fog of confusion kind of lift from their minds so that they can have a glimpse of God's love and His mercy and how they can respond and receive that salvation for themselves. That's what you pray for. God, just get the mystery out of the way. Clear up the confusion. Listen, the Bible tells us this. The God of this world has darkened the minds of those who are lost. We need to pray that that darkness would be lifted and they would be able to see the sun in all of His glory. High and lifted up. Anyway, go on forever on that. Listen, that's the mystery of the gospel. We need to pray that the mystery of Christ is to be made plain. Listen to me, those of you in recovery. That's the purpose of the 12 steps. The purpose of the 12 steps is to help reveal the mystery of God. Your salvation is not in the 12 steps. That's the process that God uses to clear out all the junk. The stupid thinking, the rotten thinking that we've had, that we've developed over the years and these attitudes of the heart that we've, the 12 steps is there to remove all that clutter out of your life so you can see Jesus. But once you see Jesus, you better keep your focus on Him. It's too easy to get to, that's another sermon. I just wanted to stop there. I, I hear people all the time, my hopes in the 12 steps. No, it's not. The 12 steps is a process that clears all the clutter out of your minds so that you can see Jesus so that you can experience Christ in your life and the forgiveness that He comes, that He brings you. Sorry. So living on mission requires us to be devoted to prayer. 
I spent a lot of time on that first point, didn't I? Because it's that important. And here's why. It's prayer. It's prayer that keeps our hearts and minds in tune with God and the mission He sends us on. It's prayer. It's communicating with God that keeps our minds and hearts focused on the mission God sends us out on. Does that make sense? If we don't pray, we lose sight of the mission. If we don't pray, we'll lose our focus. If we don't pray, we stop our ears to the, to the commands of the one who sends us out. Pray. Devote yourself to prayer. Okay, let me move on. Second, we have to also live wisely. Live wisely to carry out the mission that we've been given in Christ Jesus. Verse 5 says, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Who are the outsiders? The outsiders are those who do not know Christ, who are outside the will of God. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. How many of you, now I'm going to make a real quick point of this, but how many of you were put off by the way the insiders were acting? The hypocrisy of the insiders. And they would tell you that you shouldn't curse God, you shouldn't use those words, and yet they were gossiping like a wazoo, you know, just tearing people up, stabbing them in the back all the time. Okay, so that's, that's one meaning of that, that's one intention of this, that, that when we act wisely, when we, when we, uh, uh, when we're wise in the way we act toward outsiders, that we're people of integrity, that our walk matches our talk. You understand that? But there's another aspect to it, and this is what I want to bring up. That this idea that, um, that we have opportunities coming our way, making the, the most of every opportunity. See, life, life gives us a series of unique, never to be repeated opportunities to represent the Lord, to represent the Lord to people who need His love and truth in that moment. And the Lord expects us to make the most of those opportunities. I had a kid and a senior that just graduated. And I'd t- ask him every day, man, what business deal you got cooking today? Because this was a, this was a kid, I'm telling you, he sold five or six cars during the course of the year. He'd buy them, sell them, make tons of money. Uh, he, he was just one of those wheeler dealers, man. He was a wheeler making, he would find an opportunity, he would, he would see an opportunity, he'd take it, invest in it, and sell it, and make tons and tons of money. I just want, want to be his banker. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I joke with him all the time about it. That's the way God wants us to be. He wants us to see opportunities and then take immediate advantage of it. Don't let that opportunity pass you by. Jump on it, make an investment in it, and then watch it pay off. Does that make sense? All right. We need to be looking for those opportunities. The Lord expects us to make the most of these opportunities. He wants us to keep our eyes open to the needs of the people around us. He wants us to keep our ears tuned in to the questions they ask so that we can immediately jump in and point them to Jesus. Tyler shared a story with us last week about that. He's not here today. If you remember, Tyler said that he was working in this lady's room. She had an infection. She was asking tons of questions, and, and he began to talk to her about Christ. He asked if, they could pr- if he could pray with her. They did. She goes back into surgery, comes back. The infection was gone. Remember that story you shared? That's what I'm talking about. He saw the opportunity. He stepped up to the plate, said, Mick, can I pray with you? He's taking a risk. I don't know if, if I guess the the employees of Shelby Baptist Hospital would be able to pray with people. I don't know. But he stepped up to the plate, took advantage, invested his prayer in her, came back the next day, guess what? God moved, healed her, now what? She's like, this Christian thing, remember what she said? This Christian thing really comes in handy, doesn't it? 
I bet she's in church somewhere today. Think so? If she's able to go, I bet she is. That's what we call buying up that opportunity. Anyway, let me move along. God wants us to seize those opportunities and use them to do a lot of spiritual good. Okay, that means we've got to live wisely. We've got to live wisely. We've got to know what to do when the opportunity comes. We've got to understand the moment. We've got to em- empathize with the need. We need to, we need to take a prudent and sensible course of action to make the most of that opportunity. And here's something I've come to realize. And, and I want to emphasize this to those of you especially who are new Christians. There are no insignificant detours in this adventure with Christ. Everywhere he takes you, he's taking you there for a reason. I want to show you something that happened to me. Long, we had a long day at school several months ago. And uh, I needed to go by Walmart. I hate going to Walmart any time during the day. If you've ever been to Walmart right after school, you just want to hang yourself. I mean, it's just terrible. I, mean, I, just, I just don't like Walmart, period. So when I go to Walmart, it's always really early in the morning. I mean, really early. Nobody else is up. Well, I found myself one day, long day at school. I was so tired, I had to run by Walmart. And I started talking myself out. of, Nah, you don't need to do that. Do it, go in the morning. Well, anyway, I ended up going by Walmart anyway, which I very seldom do. Went by the Alabaster Walmart. It was the very last thing I wanted to do. I was trying to talk myself out of it. But as I got to the Alabaster Walmart, there sitting on a bench smoking a cigarette was Paige. Paige. And I'd never seen Paige there before. Had I ever seen you there before? And uh, I walked up to her, said, hey, Paige, how you doing? Gave her a little hug. Paige, why don't you pick the story up from there? Thank you. Sure.
she never would have experienced it. And if, if I hadn't finally yielded to God's insistence, and I, I listen, I didn't think it was God telling me to go. You know what I'm saying? I didn't think I was arguing with God, but that's who I ended up, that's who I was arguing with, was it not? I mean, I wish I would have recognized that as the Spirit of the Lord, because I'm a pastor, I'm supposed to recognize those voices, right? What I'm, what I'm trying to say is, you're on an adventure, and you never know what opportunity is going to come your way. You just better be ready for it when it comes. And you need to be willing to step up to the plate and do whatever needs to be done in the moment that God would have you do to represent Him in that situation. Does that make sense? A lot of us think that we're just you know wandering around, no purpose, aimlessly. Every step you take is ordered of God. He's taking you somewhere. He is bringing people across your path so that you can talk to them, so that you can speak with them, so that maybe you can hug them and encourage them. I mean, I don't know what he's doing, but we just need to embrace that. That's who you are in Christ Jesus, his representative, his ambassador. So now live it. Do Act wisely around them. Recognize that you are not in any situation or in any conversation by accident it's all intentional. It's strategic. It's on purpose. God has you there in that moment for a reason. To represent Him well. Does that make sense? That's what I did that day with Paige. I had no idea. I just know I didn't want to go to Walmart. But if I hadn't gone to Walmart, if I hadn't finally given in and said, okay, I've got to do this, let me go do it, I would have missed that connection. I would have missed that opportunity. Paige wouldn't be here today. She wouldn't have enjoyed that. And there's been such an amazing work of grace in Paige's life since then. But look, we have to prepare ourselves for those moments. We have to know what to say when we're given the opportunity. We have to know what to do when that opportunity comes our way. And we think, well, I've got to know everything. No, no, no. It's just that we go in completely unprepared most of the time for those opportunities, and we walk away, and only a couple days later we think, ooh, I wish I'd known that then, or ooh, I wish I'd said that. It's like, no, you want to do it in that moment, when the opportunity, does that make sense? So here's how you prepare yourself. Here's how you can develop the wisdom that helps you uh, take advantage of the opportunities when they come your way. Four sources of wisdom, four sources of wisdom that God has given us to draw from, to learn from, to grow by. The Scripture is the first one. Of course, the Word of God is our primary uh, source of wisdom. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Making wise the simple. The second source of wisdom we have is prayer. Prayer. Again, get back just can't escape it. Prayer. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Prayer. A third source. Godly counsel or godly advice. You do realize, of course, in our fellowship, we have some of the wisest, most godly people I've ever met. And I hope you're taking advantage of that. You will never find a group of people with as strong a, a, a core of wise, godly people to look to for advice and counsel as you, as you seek to grow or as you seek to work with people, as you seek to, to take advantage of the opportunities that exist around you. 
Proverbs 22.17 says, Pay attention and turn your ear to the sayings of the wise. You also, God gives us life experiences to draw from. I've learned a lot through my failures. So let me say that. You ever notice that you learn more from your mistakes than you ever do from your successes? It's like God teaches you in those moments so that you can pass on the lessons you've learned with other people. Not that they're going to listen to you. My kids, you know. Nah, you try to tell them. Clint, it's impossible. Don't expect your kids to listen to you. I mean, they're not going to, but hope, you hope they do. Cor Carly's different. Carly listens, right? <laughs> okay. Anyway, life experiences are a great source of wisdom. Keep a journal. Take notes, man. Because your mistake is going to be, is, is going to help somebody overcome their mistakes. Does that make sense? Okay. Live on mission, guys. Live on mission. Look for those opportunities. God's ascending God, and God is sending you out to represent Him to the world around you. You're, you're going to have a, you're going to have chance after chance after chance to make a difference in someone's life. So grow in wisdom. Make it your, your, uh, uh, make it your, make it your mission, if you will, to grow in wisdom, to become smarter than you ever dreamed. I love that, that line from, uh, Psalm 1917, that the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. I'm about as simple as you can get. You know, I want him to make me wise. All right. Finally, third one. I'm sorry. We have gone much longer than I expected. Finally, the third thing. We, we devote ourselves to prayer. We live wisely. If you're going to, uh, represent the Lord well in the world today, you need to learn to speak graciously. Speak graciously. Verse six says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Band, come up. Let's, let's worship the Lord here at the end. I don't know if you've noticed this or not. I don't, maybe you haven't. But we live in a world that is saturated with sarcastic, negative, offensive, and duplicitous language. You notice that? I mean, we live in a world that is just about as negative as you can get. Anything that's said to you is more than likely going to be negative in its, con in its content. It's going to be uh, untruthful. It's going to be sarcastic. It's going to be offensive. I mean... In that setting, you and I have been called to speak words that encourage, that strengthen, that comfort, and that shoot straight. Can I just say this about Pat? I, I love Pat. Pat, you are, without a doubt, the most encouraging person I have ever been around. Now, John may see you differently at home. I don't know. But... You would not believe, and this is what makes you so special. I, just about every week, I'll have three or four people that will walk up and say, hey, you know that Pat lady? The one from Chicago? Chicago? She said this to me today, and she made me feel so good. She encouraged me. Now, I don't know about you, I like hanging around people like that. I want to be around people like that. On the other hand, I can get pretty sarcastic in what I say, and I don't think anybody wants to be around sarcasm. You know what I mean? It's pretty old. It's funny for a little bit. And then after a while, it's like, dude, hey, shut that down. God wants us to be people who are encouraging one another, building one another up, edifying one another. I had a, a saying in a youth group that I had in Ozark, build up or shut up. I sometimes wish we had a jar. Maybe you could do this at uh, MSP. Get you a big jar. And every time somebody says something that's negative or cuts people down, make them put money in the jar. 
Big fundraiser. Big fundraiser. <laughs> so like, we did that with my youth group because they were so bad. I mean, they were cutting. You know how kids can be. So we, we, every trip we went on, we had this jar at the front. And, and kids would come in sometimes and put five bucks in the jar and say, hey, I'm paying, paying ahead of time because I know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I was like, anyway. We're, we're not supposed to be like that, y'all. Let me just point out a couple of verses here, and we're going to bring it to an end. I want to spend some time in worship. Um, Ephesians 4.25 says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. That's who we're supposed to be when it comes to our speech. Not falsehood. Not duplicitous language. Sh- shooting straight. Telling the truth. Ephesians 4.29, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that, it may be ben- so that it may benefit those who listen. That's how we're supposed to talk. You want to represent the Lord well? Put that, that unwholesome talk away. Nobody needs to hear that. Instead, use your words to build people up. Proverbs 10-11 from the message says, The mouth of a good person is a deep, life-giving well, but the mouth of the wicked is a dark cave of abuse. What words are coming out of your mouth? Your words have the power of life and death. Proverbs 15.4 Kind words heal and help. Amen? Kind words heal and help. Cutting words wound and maim. What's coming out of your mouth? You want to represent the Lord well? Be kind. Speak graciously. Lovingly. Truthfully. Let's represent the Lord well in our words, the words we use. Your new life in Christ brings with it a new mission. And that mission is to represent the Lord to the world around you. He's calling us, listen, this is really cool, He's calling us to be His hands and His feet and His voice. We need to live our life on mission. And I've seen this as my life has become more and more focused on this mission. Living on this mission, this mission to represent the Lord well, it becomes the source of your greatest joy. You want to be happy in this life? Then fulfill your purpose by representing the Lord well in your life. Devote yourself to prayer. Live wisely. Speak graciously. Listen, let the Lord... Use you to make a difference in the world. That's why we're here. That's why He's raised us up in this moment of time to represent Him well, to be a light in the darkness. So do that. Do that. Represent Him well. That's a statement. That's a slogan that we throw around here a lot, and I mean it. Represent Him well. Would you say that with me? Represent Him well. Represent Him well. Let's stand. Let's worship the Lord for a few minutes. And I know you guys have places to go and people to see.